Well, listen, you have picked a great day to be at Calvary because we're continuing the series that we started last Sunday, that we started Easter Sunday, entitled, Wow, right? And, and Jesus there, as he, as he hung on the cross, as he prepared to breathe his last, he, he made this wow statement, it is finished. But can I tell you that? That's not the only great statement. That's not the only wow statement that Jesus made. In fact, I want you to take your Bibles this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, it's kind of at the beginning of the New Testament, a little bit more than halfway past a paper Bible. If you've got an electronic Bible, it's pretty easy. Just Mark chapter 4. And in Mark chapter 4, the beginning of Mark chapter 4 tells us this, that, that Jesus, is, Jesus is along the Sea of Galilee. And he's, he's teaching along the, 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 the north coast of the Sea of Galilee. And there's such a large crowd gathered there uh, that uh, what Jesus does is Jesus steps into a boat. And, uh, and, and the boat that Jesus would have stepped into, the, the boats of that day, uh, would have been, uh, that boat probably would have been lengthwise, probably would have been uh, about, from, about from this spot on the platform to, to maybe the equal spot on the other side. And uh, maybe um, eight, eight feet or so wide. Uh, it's, it's a boat that would have held uh, 30 people. And, uh, but it, it, in Jesus' day, a good-sized boat, just a great boat for, for, for taking people from one side of the lake to the other, or a great uh, boat uh, for fishing. Uh, the boat would have been really, it would have been open for the most part. Uh, with on the back of the boat, on the stern of the boat, uh, there, there, there would be a, 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 an area where the helmsman would sit and, and, and then a kind of some storage area underneath there. And, and on the bow of the boat, there would have been an opera, a place where Jesus could stand and, and speak. And, and it works out really well because there being, being on the seashore, have the, have the boat put out into the water just a little bit, uh, it creates this kind of natural amphitheater. And, and so Jesus could could speak to the crowd. And, and, and the Bible records, it tells us this, that, that Jesus is speaking. There are these large crowds there. There are all these people on the land. And not only are there all these people on the land, but there are also some other boats that have come up, right? And so it's, it's quite, quite the scene. And at the end of the, at the, end of the day, it tells us this starting in Mark 4.35, it tells us that when evening came, you'll, you'll see this, Mark, Mark 4.35, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And then he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. God, we do thank you for your word today. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to consider it. And we commit these moments to you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we, we've, all had those, we've all had those moments in our life, I want to set this over here, we've all had those moments in our life when, uh, when what Jesus said there in the boat has been said to us. And I, I, have, to, I have to 
offer this to you. I mentioned this uh, last week when we looked at the words, it is finished, and said that, that really the English translation doesn't do the Greek word uh, ju- justice. It really doesn't, right? Because uh, Jesus said that one word, right? Uh, to tell Stai. He just one word. Well, it, it, here in this, the, in, I know the King James Version says that Jesus says, peace be still, but that's really not what he said. Okay? A really, a, a more literal translation of what Jesus said to the storm is this, hush, 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 quiet. Right? You ever had somebody do that to you? Shh, just shh, hush, right? We've all had it, haven't we? That, 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 that moment when a parent will look at you and go, don't even have to say a word. And you know, zip it, right? That's what Jesus does in that moment. Jesus says this. Jesus says, hush. So, now let me do this. Let, let, me, let me set the scene for you. As I mentioned, Jesus is on the north, he's on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, and he is, uh, he is wanting to sail from the region of Capernaum over to, uh, over to the east side of the Sea of Galilee, over to uh, an area that's kind of a remote area. And, and, then, and in fact, here's a picture here on the center screen of the Sea of Galilee. And, and I want you to notice is this, and where, where we're looking at, we're, we're looking from the west to the east. The Sea of Galilee is, it's about 13 inches north to south. 13 inches, 13 miles, it's, it's bigger than 13 inches, it's 13 miles uh, north to south, it's about 8 miles east to west, it's, it's, it's slightly larger than Lake Apopka. Okay? But what's interesting about it, ge- uh, from a geography standpoint, from the hill that we would be on, it's about 1,500 feet down to the sea. On the other side, that area that you see over there to the west, that's the beginning of the Golan Heights, which you may re- remember the, the, hearing in history about the Golan Heights and the, and, and the battle that was fought uh, in 1967 for the Golan Heights. The, the reason why that battle took place, okay, so the Six-Day War, for those of you that are familiar with the Six-Day War, and, and you'll hear about the, the argument about who the Golan Heights belonged to, here's the reason why that battle happened. So the Syrians would come, and they would come along the edge of these cliffs, and they would shoot mortars over to this side of the lake, right? And just indiscriminately bomb the cities and the villages on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. And Israel finally had enough of it. And what they did is they pushed the Syrians back far enough to where they couldn't shoot mortars over and indiscriminately attack their people. That's the reason for the Six-Day War. And that's the reason why now, even though it's disputed territory, the area that you see over there on the east side of the lake is, 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 is Israeli occupied. Well, that side of the lake rises up about 3,000 feet. To the north is Mount Hermon. Mount Hermon rises up over 9,500 feet. In fact, most people don't realize this, but there's a ski resort in Israel. And, uh, and so it rises, it's a snow-capped mountain, Mount Hermon, and uh, it rises up about, about 9,300 feet. So you have to the north a 9,300-foot mountain, snow-capped mountain. Then you've got these, these, these hills on, on the sides, 1,500 feet on one side, east or west, 3,000 feet on the east. And then to the south, we go down into the Jordan River Plain, and then we hit desert, right? It's not that much further south to the Dead Sea. In addition, this lake 
This lake sits 682 feet below sea level. It's actually the lowest freshwater lake in the world. Now, the Dead Sea is lower than it, but the the Dead Sea is not freshwater. It's dead water. And it really is. It's just, there's nothing that grows there. So, so this lake, it's, it's an amazing lake. It sits in a very interesting place. And what happens is this, the snow-capped mountains in Mount Hermon, water starts from those snow-capped mountains, comes down, fills this lake, and then goes down into the Jordan River Plain. In fact, to this day, 50% of Israel's fresh water comes out of this lake. It really is. It's a a source of of much life in that area. And so, it would make sense that Jesus would do a lot of his earthly ministry around this this sea. And so, uh, Jesus was going to sail basically from a little north of here over over to the other side. Now, because this lake sits 680 feet, 682 feet, almost 700 feet below sea level, And on the one side, you've got 1,500 feet of elevation change. On the other side, you've got 3,000 feet of elevation change. Snow-capped mountain to the north, desert to the south. The winds regularly do some very interesting things. A little bit of of science lesson here this morning. What happens to warm air? It rises. What does cold air do? Sink. See, some of you are real quick, right? Because you're like, well, if warm air rises, that must mean the cold air must sink. And right. So it's happened. So, so warm air rises and cold air sinks. And so it is, it is common, especially in the latter part of the year, to have the winds shift and come out of the north. And those winds come off of that snow-capped Mount Hermon, right? And, and the cold front come in. And those cold winds would blow over, and they hit, in essence, this bowl that is the Sea of Galilee. And now you've got this, you've got this cold air coming, you've got this warm air that's underneath here, and the warm air rises, the cold air sinks, and it creates this incredible vortex, which does two things. Number one, it creates some, some massive rain, and it, it, it also produces violent wind. It is, it is something that happens on a regular basis. And where, when, the, when the storms are the most violent, are just after sundown. And if you live on the Sea of Galilee, you know this, you're familiar with it. It is as, it is as expected as the afternoon rains in Orlando from May to October. It's important that you understand this. It's important that you understand this because when evening came and Jesus said, let's go over to the other side, Jesus knew exactly what was going to take place. Quite honestly, everybody who got into that boat with him, they pretty much knew what was going to go down as well. Why? Because it is stormy on the Sea of Galilee at night in autumn. And yet, Jesus says, let's go over to the other side. So they take him just as he is. Jesus doesn't get out of the boat. He's been teaching in the boat all day. They take him just as he is. They launch out and they head towards the other side. Now, when they do that, the first part of the trip is really is outstanding. Because here's here's what Scripture tells us. It tells us this, that they sailed along. 
This boat that they would have been in that's, that's about, you know, the size of the front part of this stage, it also has the ability, it's a big boat, but it, it is small enough that if you need to, you can row it. Okay, the, the typical boats in Jesus' day, they had, they had three oar stations on each side of the boat. So six, six uh, uh, oar, oarsmen could move this boat along. It would be hard work, but they could move the boat along. And because they were living on this lake, even though, this, even though it's called the Sea of Galilee, it's a lake, you could get around if you had to row the boat. But the way that this scripture is written, we know this, that they weren't rowing, they were sailing. And so, there was a, it would have been a, a, a good breeze that was moving them along. But Scripture tells us this, that all of a sudden, a furious squall came along, so much so that the boat was taking on water. Now again, this is not an uncommon thing. The Sea of Galilee can get waves up to 10 to 12 feet tall. Now, that seems kind of crazy, doesn't it? Can you imagine 10 to 12 foot waves on Lake Apopka? I mean, that's going to get some interest. Can you imagine people surfing out on Lake Apopka or people surfing on Lake, Lake Fairview? I, I think that, that's going to make the news, right? But this is not uncommon there. I mean, that's, that's, how, that's how violent this sea can kick up. And yet, in the, in the midst of this, Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. Now, if you've been around church, you've, you've, you've heard the, the, this story many times. You've, I'm sure that you've heard uh, plenty of, of sermons about Jesus calming the storm. And oftentimes what we'll do is we'll focus on the fact that Jesus is asleep in the time of need. I think we do that because all too often when we look at Scripture, what we do is we look at it from our perspective. You know what I love about this story? I love the fact that Jesus is so settled in his disposition that in the midst of the storm, he's able to put his head on a pillow and sleep. Why? Because he has this understanding that God's word tells us that we don't have to worry. I am always with you, the word of God says. This is why, this is why Paul could write in Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything. He, he makes a statement. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will tell you this again, rejoice. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, talk to God about the things in your life, and here's what you'll find. You'll find this, that the peace of God that transcends all, their, all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And Jesus understands that, and he models it, and he lives it. And yet, The disciples that are in the boat with him, when, this, when the storm kicks up, they freak out. Mark tells us this, that they are terrified. And actually, this story, it's recorded in three Gospels. It's recorded in, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But Mark is the only one that tells us specifically of what the disciples said to Jesus and specifically how Jesus responded. 
And, and, and that, that, that also is no surprise to us because most scholars agree that John Mark wrote the book of Mark and basically what he's doing is he's writing down Peter's firsthand account. So we, so we learn from, from, from Peter's experience that they're in the boat, water's crashing in over the boat, and they panic. They full-on panic. So Peter, this seasoned fisherman that has lived his life out on the Sea of Galilee, he's in full-on panic, and he goes to Jesus and says, hey, hey, Je- hey, wake up. Don't you care? Don't you care that we're drowning? And I want you to get this. I want you to picture this. Here's what Jesus does. Jesus opens an eye, looks at the storm and goes, hush, hush, silence. (laughs) And it's gone. It's still. The Sea of Galilee goes from waves so tall that it's crashing over the boat to it goes back to being like glass. And then Jesus looks at him and says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And as they watch this, it tells us this. It tells us they are now, now they're terrified, not about the, the wind and the waves. Now they're terrified they're, because here's, here's, here's the disposition of the disciples. Oh my word. Like this guy, Jesus, uh, this guy is more than a teacher. He's more than somebody sent from God. The fact that he can command the wind, the fact that he can command the waves tells us that he's not somebody sent from God, that he is very God of very God. Their experience, their experience and the lesson that they learned there on the Sea of Galilee that autumn evening, it speaks powerfully to us. Because Here's what we can be confident of. We can be confident of the fact that that, that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. We can be confident that we will face challenges in life. Why? Because the word of God says this. It says, in this world you will have trouble, right? We face difficulty. We face uh, challenges. We face hurdles. We face obstacles. And in in the midst of it, what happened there on the Sea of Galilee, it, it speaks to us powerfully. Of, of how we can, how we can respond and what we should recognize in, the, in those moments. Here's what I want you to notice. That when the storms of life, when the inevitable storms of life happen, and, under, and, and, and here's, here's what I want you to know. I want you to know this, that just as assuredly as a storm is going to kick up on the Sea of Galilee, let me, let me put this in a Central Florida context. Just as we know this summer that every afternoon it's going to rain about 4 o'clock. I know this, that the rain is going to fall in my life, right? That those challenges are going to come. Those difficulties are going to come. I'm going to get that doctor's diagnosis. I, I'm, I'm going to face this bill for which it just 
doesn't add up in my bank account. I'm going to have to navigate a relationship issue. I'm, I'm, going to have to, I'm going to have to respond to someone who's offended over something that I absolutely didn't do. I'm going to be misunderstood. I'm, I'm going to be mistreated. Why? It's a reality of the world that we live in. And, and in that, God gives us this great lesson of, of how to navigate the storms. First of all, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry why. We don't have to worry, number one, because God is with us. Jesus doesn't send the disciples out and say, you go to the other side of the lake. No. Here's what it says in Mark 4.35. He says, let us go. Let us go. And in, in this life that God has called us to live, even, even in the, the directive that he's given us, the great commission to go and to make disciples, right? We're told that we're supposed to go out in the highways and byways and compel folks to come into God's house. We're told that we're supposed to go and make disciples of all nations, that we're supposed to live our lives in, the, in, in, in this challenging world. We're told that he's sending us out as sheep among wolves. But in this, in this life that we're living, we don't have to worry. Why? Because Jesus goes with us. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. This omnipresent God is always there giving us everything that we need for life and godliness. And God's presence makes all the difference in the world. It, it is the, for, for me, it's not unlike those moments that I've had both as a child and as a parent. I'll never forget when my children were younger and, and we, we, I, I built them a, a swing set in the backyard. And if I was standing behind them, and if I'm pushing them, here's what you're going to hear. Higher, Daddy. Higher. Higher, Daddy. Lou, if it's you standing behind them, they're going to go, don't push me. No, I'm okay. No, 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 sir. That's okay. But if I'm there, higher, daddy. Higher. Why? Because the presence of the Father makes all the difference in the world. And so... They had no reason to fear. The disciples had no reason to fear because Jesus was there. And I have no reason to fear because Jesus is there. I have no reason to fear. I have no reason to worry because God keeps his promises. See, Jesus looked at them and said, let's go to the other side. Let's go to the other side. And, and understand this, they're not going to the other side simply because they want to go hang out in, 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 in the area on the east side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, if you read the story of Jesus, you will find this, that Jesus often withdrew to remote areas to rest. And there are times when Jesus wants to go over to the east side of the Sea of Galilee basically just to rest, to, to give time for himself and his disciples just to, to kind of breathe a little bit. But that's not the case in Mark chapter 4. The reason that they're going 
is, is this. Jesus, Jesus is, he, he, is, he is taught, right, all day long. Now he says, let us go to the other side. Because Jesus is well aware that there's a crazy naked guy, true story, that there's a crazy naked guy waiting for him on the east side of the Sea of Galilee that needs to be set free from the demonic forces that have him bound. And Jesus is not going to be late for that divine appointment to see that man set free. The steps of the righteous are also ordered of the Lord. See, God has a destiny for you. God has a plan for you. And that oft-quoted scripture from Jeremiah is true. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. And so you can trust that God's got you. You can trust that God's going to keep you. And you can trust that there's nothing that's going to come into your life that's going to take you home to glory one millisecond sooner than God has preordained. So you can trust in those promises. So when Jesus said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake, you can bet they're getting to the other side of the lake. When Jesus says to you, let's go forward and do, you can trust that it's going to come to pass. Why? Because he keeps his promises. God is not a man that he should lie, Scripture declares. So we can walk in this, we can live in it, and we can be confident in it. The disciples also, in this moment, in the midst of the storm, the disciples didn't have to worry because Jesus isn't worried. Growing up, I grew up, I grew up in, in, in two areas. I grew up in the Midwest. And, and the Midwest, uh, while the Midwest doesn't have hurricanes, uh, the Midwest has, and especially the area that we lived in, uh, it, was, it was not uncommon to have tornadoes come through. And, and in, the, in the summertime, severe thunderstorms that can just pop up, it just, just, it seems like with no warning. And, and here's, here's the way it worked in my life. If my dad's not worried, I'm not worried. If my dad's freaked out, then maybe we can better run for the hills. Right? And, and I found this true even, even into adulthood with my children. If the storm started to kick up, right? The wind started to howl and beat against the house a little bit. The children would, 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 would run to us. If it was nighttime, they, they would run to our room. And what they would do is they would, they would crawl into bed with us. But once they, once they were in our bed, they had no problem just going right to sleep. Why? Because dad's got this. It's all good. And here's... Here's what I want you to get this morning, okay? Here is, the, here is the one big takeaway. Are you ready? Oftentimes, it's going to feel like God is disconnected from the problems in your life. But here's what you can count on. 
In those times when you're in the storm and it seems like Jesus is sleeping, if Jesus is sleeping, you can be confident that everything is okay. Let me say that again. If you're facing challenge and you're facing difficulty and you're going, God, don't you care? Don't you understand? Don't you see what I'm going through? Don't you realize what they're saying about me? Don't you, don't you understand the challenge that I'm facing? Don't you understand the pressure and anxiety there is in my day? Don't you realize what's happening in my job? Don't you see the bank balance in my bank account? Don't you understand the doctor's diagnosis that's been given to me? Can't you, can't you see what's going on in my home? And God is sleeping on a cushion? If God is asleep, you have nothing to worry about. Let me say this again. If God is asleep, you have nothing to worry about. Because here's the last reason why the disciples shouldn't have worried. Okay, number one, Jesus was with them. Number two, Jesus had, had told them they're going to the other side, and God keeps his word. Number three, Jesus wasn't worried, so they didn't have to be worried. And number four, Jesus has a really good track record. And I, I, I don't know what it's like in your life, but can I tell you something? In my life and in the people I hang out with, here's what I found over and over and over and over again, that God's got a really good track record. So in those moments when it seems like God is silent, when it seems like God is sleeping, when it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of Holy Ghost activity scurrying around to take care of this problem, this issue in your life, Friend, God brought you here today to say to you, you don't have to freak out. You don't have to panic. Because at that moment that's needed, God has no problem with doing this. Okay, hush. God, I thank you for your word today. I thank you that it is so true. God, I thank you that for a number of us this morning that you you brought us into this your house. You brought us here on, on this your day. You've, you've, you've gathered together us in your presence. To confirm to us that you've got this. 
It's not too difficult for you and, and you're not disconnected from it. You care about the details of our life and you keep every one of your promises. So God, for for that home situation that's in chaos, for that career that's in crisis, for that relationship that is in the, in the throes of being swamped. For that man of God, that woman of God, that, that's facing a medical mountain, God, for the person that has come today and it just seems like the waves are crashing in on every side. And in in this time, in this season, they've they've questioned you or, or questioned themselves wondered if their challenge is because of of their faith or with the unresolved issues in their life. I think it's so amazing, God, that, that you have brought you have brought them here. Collectively, you've brought us here this morning. And you've brought us here to remind us that you're not panicked. Because the challenges and difficulties are are not difficulties for you. And you didn't bring us this far to leave us. You, You didn't lift us up just to let us drown. got us. No guilt in life. No fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. Right? From life's first cry to final breath. Jesus commands my destiny. I find my strength 
I find my hope. I find my life. I find my identity. I I find my faith in Christ alone. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.